boop, beep, boop, boop, boop. Batching in. Hey, Mike, what's going on? I can't believe how good that was. That was the best opening, Mark. Uh, <laughs> so I take that. I take that as counterbalance to the recent our our last talk. We talked about me moving into into uh, Zoom, and you have done interesting an interesting introduction in the past. But that was all like pre like some sort of pre-formatted audio program but what i just heard right there was purely spontaneous from your throat and body and so i appreciate the the um analog beginning right on we'll check this out so my favorite band ever recently put out two new albums because they just they're just that rock solid that in 2022 they're putting out two albums have you a guess who that is well i know you've talked about in the past the word hot chili peppers yes would that be who it is yes yes so just listening to that for the past month or so i've been inspired to do more analog introductions to my show instead of like going and finding clips and and other people saying stuff i'm just like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna make my intro interesting so i don't know if rapping is the right word for it but i guess um rhythmic rhythmic uh rhyming (laughs) i don't know I don't I'm not rapping but my intros for my my family thinks I'm crazy podcast have taken on a new spin since since being inspired by the latest Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Have you received any feedback? That's what people said. They said I was rapping. I said I'm not oh, they rapping. They said they were rapping. But did they did did they like it? Yeah, it seemed like the one person that reached out liked it, but I haven't looked at the like the comments or anything. It could there could be a comment like "What the hell is this?" I don't know. Hmm. So you know what? My, my you would think with the amount of you would think with the amount of experience I've had podcasting that I would know not to put a trisket in my mouth just as we sit down, but I can't help it, and it's because <laughs> it's because it's so comfortable here. Oh, and I hope that on. translates. Don't worry, I didn't even notice. I thought it was just uh I thought it was just I got take I got call. do you know the phrase I think the phrase is taken to task. Taken to task. Like, you know, by you're kind of rep, you're reprimanded. I got reprimanded by Peter Shampoo on the one show I did with him. Because he's old school and he's proper and he's like, Why are you eating on this podcast? Can't you just mute it or can you just wait a minute? And I'm like, I guess I can. You had um, you had him on that's, one-on-one, but, just the two of you? No, it was on, uh, I think, like one of your group ones. Oh, the Rising from the Ashes. It was... <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were referencing I that something was so recent. I, I thought that was funny. But I became aware. He, he did bring an awareness to the like, fact that, like, yeah, I've got no problem meeting Triscuits on the show. 
So anyway, but I didn't mean to, to detract because we were going someplace interesting. What, what were you just saying? You're saying something really, something that was triggering something in my head. Hmm. Well, now I'm on the Peter Shampoo thing, but yes, let me just say one thing. So we recently had Peter on Esoteric America and we went into Wounded Knee. But before I was talking about <clears throat> the Red Hot Chili Peppers and how the lyrics of their songs and just the overall, I mean, I watched a few documentaries about it. I listened to him on Joe Rogan. So it was, you know, the month of October was, uh, you know, particularly colored by that band. And I was like, hmm, how is this, how did this affect my show? And I did get a few comments, people saying, oh, wow, I like how you're, you're essentially rapping in the intro that's what one of the musicians that I've had on my show, he listens to the show, friend of the show, uh, he reached out and complimented it. But, no, I, I don't generally... I definitely want to hear it. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff you got to hear. I, have you listened to the the presentation I gave on Tinfoil Hat yet? No, I haven't. I, but it's not because it's, it's been <laughs> universal. Right. I'm consistent not listening to anyone um but uh i love um i love the fact that you're 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 uh you're exploring and pushing your own personal envelope that's mm. fantastic mm. um and that's what that's what i wanted to um reflect back to because um i shared with you earlier today uh or maybe it was yesterday uh, a speech which I gave at Mr. Rich's 80th birthday. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, and I'm sharing this with you because, you know, you, you, you know, me, you know, you, you know, my style and you know, like, you know, my approach to life and, and, and that's not necessarily, you know, uh, suitable for all, all audiences or all, <laughs> or all mindsets. I think it's probably more appropriate. So I dropped a soft version, but nonetheless, a version of the type of storytelling which I like to do. And um, there are probably about 100 people in attendance. And it was received... Um, and it, it was, it was, <laughs> if I, if, if I'm, if I'm being, if I'm being transparent to my own assessment, um, like I gave, a, I gave a really good, um, performance, like the, the, like the delivery of the speech was fantastic and the quality of the, the speech was fantastic, but nonetheless, it was, um, it was met with. I'm not going to say crickets. It definitely wasn't met with crickets. I mean, there were like, there was like a, a nice applause to it, but then there was like a general um, uh, look of confusion from the audience as to like, what the fuck did I just hear? <laughs> and I don't know if, if, if uh, that's the, that's the, the benefit of like live um, feedback as opposed to like comments upon uh, comments on something like on the podcast, but like that feeling of um, not, I'm sharing the story because of, you know, it's not exactly what you were saying, but kind of put uh, doing what you would do and, and just seeing how it's received and, 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 and uh, almost like an inside joke with yourself with um 
you know, just the, the, the capability of being able to be on the platform and have fun and, and not, and be able to push your own personal envelope. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, yeah, I do that a lot. I think I do that on Instagram and then I go and I'll delete, I'll delete the video afterwards where I'll like, you know, be singing along to music in the car. And then I'm like, all right, I pushed it too far. I'm going to delete that. Whoever saw it, saw it. That's fine. But I don't need, that's not what my Instagram is about, you know? Um, anyways, you but, singing in the car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to mostly to red hot chili peppers. It used to be, it used to be other songs and whatnot, but lately, uh, that's been, Cause I I've I've sang along to Red Hot Chili Peppers for like ten years now, so I I mean I don't even need to look at the lyrics. I just go right into it, you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I don't I don't personally feel comfortable leaving that on my Instagram for just to be there, you know. But I like going live, and you know, if people uh, <laughs> like watching it, then they're there. But I don't know. It's it's interesting. It's like. Uh, it, it's one of those things where, you know, if I went to like a karaoke bar, you know, that would probably be scarier. Cause it's like, oh yeah. If, if people, if it's a crickets response, I'm facing it right there, right then. Whereas if it's, you know, live and people are popping in they're like, what the heck is Mark doing? And then they leave. I, I don't know that that's the response they had, you know, uh, they could, they could, be like, oh, this is neat, and then move on to something else. Uh, there's a whole spectrum, but it's interesting to compare with your your speech. You know, like, do you think that that it was because of like a general absent mindedness, a general like not understanding, like? like so what I did was or, to to an audience of like think about the mainstream mind, okay. And the main or or the the median mainstream mind and the median way of interpreting and understanding reality. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how how you know the 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 thinking process consciousness works. Um, uh, particularly, the less aware of how your process works, it becomes even more absolute but there are are um there are firewalls built into one's mind and it ultimately the firewalls are there to protect the unstated um uh question which is like i don't know what the fuck any of this is <laughs> you know like when you really come down to it like this you know how did i get here what's this all about all this sort of stuff like that's that's in the background of everyone's mind and it's never like talked about it it's like you know the cultural uh big uh, or elephant in the room um and so because of that that's why um the 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 psychological profile of an of an individual will search for any type of solid ground in which it can find. And so like, and that solid ground can be 
discovered either just through indoctrination of the beliefs of the household you were born into, or if you subscribe to something later in life, you know, that's kind of more of a, a willful choosing to be like, okay, this is my stability. This is what life's about. It's about this religion or this philosophy or this whatever, but it's just like a friggin' idea. And like, you know, it's, it's, you don't know, you know, it's like, that's why we go and we, we look for that stable ground and we begin to identify and this is, and then it, it builds from that. It builds into like identifying with personality, identifying with all these different sort of ways. Like that's what culture and, and, and marketing and all of this stuff is, is really about, um, uh, speaking to people's identifications for how they can feel, um, you know, solid and comfortable. So when you got someone who's going to go around and push upon boundaries, which don't really fit into, into that paradigm and what that paradigm is, it's a dualistic paradigm, maybe not always like either or, but it's like, uh, I guess what the, 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 the either or would be one's particular identification or belief set and everything, which is not that. So when, when they bump up against like, you know, if they identify with, I'm a Republican and they hear democratic, uh, 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 talking points or values, you know, there's like, there, there can be like an internal argument or even an external argument about the dualistic aspects of, of that either or way of being. But when things are introduced, which do not ideas, which are introduced, which do not necessarily fit into, um, fit into that model, um, that's when you hit that firewall, which I was talking about. And what that firewall does is usually what happens is, um, uh, and it's the same thing which happens often when when you when you truth bomb someone who's never heard of like conspiracies before, and they're like a deer in the headlights. A deer in the headlights is is a reflection of something inside their head is shutting off. They're like, I'm not going to go there because if that's a lie, then what else are the lies? And then I'm left with like, I don't have anything solid to stand on. So all that being said, like the speech to which I gave was like it was uh, it was an ode to Mr. Rich, but like wrapped into that was you know just the the my my typical approach to reality most of these people don't know who i am and i'm telling this story i'm telling this story about how he didn't go in the trail and how it lines up with the book the alchemist and i'm giving like all of this proof and now i'm talking to a horse and like everything makes sense but then it's like but what the hell are you even talking about and they're just like looking at me and they're like i don't know what i just went through and that was kind of the that was kind of the the response that I was hoping to get. <laughs> hmm. You think you mystified them, like it wasn't totally unobtainable, like because I I mean the average person doesn't really understand alchemy, let alone the, know the book The Alchemist. I mean, our crowd, people listening to this show, most likely... I'm going dis- to disagree with you 100% on that. The Alchemist is one of 10 books 
that have been printed more than 150 million times. It is one of the best known uh, pieces of literature which is out there. So like the the likelihood of someone at least being familiar with the title, and, and maybe you don't know what I, the book, uh, The Alchemist off the top, you're thinking I'm talking about an alchemy book. I'm talking about- No, like, I have uh, the, the Alchemist by Paul C., but I'm just, you know, I'm just- That book is huge. That book is- that book is in rare air in terms of like how much of an influence well, that has had. Okay. That's fair. Maybe I don't, <clears throat> maybe I'm not like appreciating the crowd you're speaking to. Maybe they, well, I, cause I, I well, I'm, a, I'm picturing just run of the mill people I've met in Connecticut and I could guarantee Mike, if I went around town and if I said, Hey, have you ever heard of the, Alchemist by Paul C., you know, Paul so-and-so, the nine out of ten people would say no. Possibly. I, I'm but just, that's just my cynical, I guess, take. <laughs> but I would definitely say within this audience would be much higher than that. I oh, yeah. Um, so the it's not so much that someone doesn't have the, the intellectual capacity. It has to do with the fact that, well, if that is true, then what does that say about the nature of reality? That's what it's about. Hmm. And that's the question, which is, which is not necessarily is someone, particularly if they're not prepared to be asking that question, that's where you hit the firewall. But this is how, but this is, this is also how it works. Not necessarily with everyone. And this is what, what I find, um, personally, um, fun and appealing about the process of, of, of what happened. And um, it was a beautiful tale. It was a beautiful story, which uh, speech, which I wrote with story and, and ode to Mr. Rich within it. And they'll probably be like a couple days later, a couple days later, um, there's going to be like a pop. I don't know if in everyone's mind, but definitely in some people's minds and a pop, like a like a like a like a burp of consciousness, like something is just kind of released, and then whatever it is, it will it it it's going to reflect a, a, an expansion of of a willingness to look at life and reality in a different way, and because of the the concept, which is ultimately about the interconnectedness of. Um, the and, and I put this this line in the speech and I really liked it. I've never I've never I've never spoken it before. And I said uh, I was referring to dream walking. I said um, and and in dream walking practice, the books you read and the life you lead are connected by an invisible thread of unknowable continuity. Which is basically saying like I can't explain why, but this shit's all connected. Indra's. And that's the pop. And when someone begins to like, huh, if it's connected like that, what else? And and that is all in in my opinion, that is a uh that that connection, that that web of interconnectivity, that invisible web of interconnectivity in all of you know our experience here living in this realm is as much fear 
you know, psychological fear that is built in with the mystery of not knowing, you know, how did I get here? What are we doing here? Where is here? You know, all this sort of stuff. Um, there's, there's an implied, there's an implied safety net. It's like, but it's all connected. Like you don't necessarily need to know that because there's like, okay, everything is connected somehow in a way I don't know. No. And whereas when you're just popping someone's false reality worldviews, they're going to hold on to it because you're not giving them something else. Um, you know, that's one technique, but, but what I would say, what I'm hoping to achieve is that, um, by demonstrating through the form of spoken word, um, someone can come to the conclusion or even with their own experience or begin to look for it is that there truly is an unknowable continuity of invisible threads connecting all parts of our reality. And that's kind of, and kind of safe. What do you mean safe? So safe is the opposite of fear. Mm. The fear is the unknown. That's why the psychological fear is about like, I don't feel safe because I don't know. How did I get here? You know, what, what are we doing? What's my, you know, what is all of these things? All of these primary, which are just like, it's never stated that like, can't know it, don't know it. It's all mystery like that. That comes with the fear because you're like that. That is the lack of safety, the lack of psychological safety. Yet when you can be given a psychological safety, well, then there can be an exhale. If you go and you see anyone, doesn't matter what their religion is, doesn't matter what religion they practice, like a true believer of any religion, doesn't matter how you know, whatever it will be, there's a quality that happens within that individual. If you, if you pay attention, look, which, which is deeper than, than the religion itself. It is the safety, the word you want to go internal safety of like, there's something else. I'm not by myself and it's carrying me. That's the safety. Right. You think that was received by the the crowd mostly? Well, what I was saying is something like that. The initial the initial impact is what the, what did I just hear? Because you're not prepared to hear something like that. It was a tale. Like was that was that was that a philosophical was that philosophical treaty treaties treaties whatever I say that word was that was that a was that a joke? Was that a metaphor? Like all of these sort of things. What did I just hear? Oh, but I feel good because it was this really beautiful story about this person who I care about immensely. Like all of that happened. And so it's the couple days later where there's just, it's, it's ruminating in the back of the mind. And then that's where the, 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 the pop occurs, the burp occurs of like, oh, oh. That's pointing to this invisible thread of, of, of continuity that that idea had been introduced as a phrase, but that phrase has legs 
because if someone begins to actually look at their life, they're going to, everyone can come. They're being honest and paying attention and have at least of, of, of the average level of intelligence, which I would say definitely the audience who I was before, um, they're going to, they're going to hear something which confirms something that they've always known before. And whoever, however many have that experience, I don't know. <laughs> but but I like, you know, I like doing, it satisfies me to go through the practice, you know, of, of, of doing my part of that equation. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So how's Mr. Rich taking it? <laughs> I don't know. He said that's a great speech, but never said anything else. It was a 3000 word speech. It was, it was, it was, um, uh, it was, um, uh, it, I, if I were to guess, like at the very least, he was very touched by the amount of effort I put into, um, into, uh, um, you know, honoring. Does he appreciate the comparison of Gnome Countryside to the El Camino? I don't know. Well, he certainly, I mean, can certainly walk yourself around that place like the El Camino. Anything change around there since we've been? Since we have been. Um, since I've been there, Tara and I. Uh, there is progress moving forward though it's slow to do so into um, the transition, the, the secession planning, as you would call it, from one from who's running it from one generation to the next. Mm. And along with that is going to be new direction, new vision. A new vision. Huh. An expanded vision. Maybe that that is a better a better way because it's not exactly new. It's not it's not it's it's expanded from what it was. Hmm. How about you? Are you still sleeping in the truck? Not during winter. <laughs> not yeah. in the fall. So the reason why is the aluminum roof. Hmm. Because of the dew point, like the inside, like it starts to drip. Oh. It pulls the water and so inside. That was, I was like, yeah. so, I'm sorry. The water molecules, what they like, f go through the metal, basically. I think I don't know if that happens. I think it has to do with like dew point. You know, like what I mean by the dew point. The temperature changes inside of the. I really don't understand what the dew point is, but I know like <laughs> the dew point is is somehow responsible for how how water will bead on the outside of a of a glass right um if it's filled with water if like the temperature and the humidity is just so yeah yeah like it's like that right well and it's the same process that covers the grass in dew right 
There we go. Whatever that friggin' mystery is, it is. I think it is a mystery. I, I'm almost certain. You tell me. So, 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 so. Look at so like like just like without even trying to like solve it. You want me solve it? It's still a friggin' mystery, right? It's like there's no water. How does the water get on the outside of the glass? You're like the mo- <laughs> the molecule, the water. Like, I don't know what it is, but something does happen, right? It's got to do with humidity. That's for sure. It, Exactly. Like I, <laughs> no, I'm still just. I like the the more blanket. Uh, it's a mystery because mm. when I when we start dropping the, uh, um, there comes to a point where we can measure it and figures like the 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 replicate replicate how it happens in a laboratory, I suppose. But it's still a mystery. Like why does why does that happen? Right. Like, why is this well, you know, like what, it, what is that mysterious force in order, which then all of these things occur, which are necessary for whatever is necessary for, you know, experiential life to be here. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I just know what happens. All I know is when I'm in the truck and when the water drips on my face and it's maybe like 40, 50 degrees or something. I'm like, nah, bad. if I can, I just go inside. Right. So that's been probably uh, since October. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't blame but you for I'm that. getting ready to leave next week to go down. I'll be uh, going through Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia, and then Florida, uh, leading to my sister's um, in St. Petersburg for for thanksgiving and along the way uh it's my first um starboard mini tour oh explain that so you have some uh what do you have some appearances booked where you'll be taking people so i've got two i've got two i'm i'm kind of i'm i'm figuring it out as i go and what what i have um, I set up a, a workshop and then I decide not to do that. I'm like, oh, I don't think that it's, I'm quite ready for that. Um, I'm going to do what's, what's been called like a pop-up retail event where I'll go someplace for, let's say like four hours. That's all. And it's so funny how, how this is, it's not necessarily, uh, had been my plan, but this is how it's naturally unfolding. It's like, this is the only way you're really going to be able to buy this Star Wars. Like, this is like, I'm making it as difficult to, to, to oh, purchase. Man. But then at the same time, it's also like, this is like a special thing. Like, right. if you happen to come across this, like, this is your opportunity. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this isn't like folks listening, like, you're listening to an extremely unique podcast, right? I mean, we, we joke around about, the listeners eavesdropping, but then multiply that <laughs> by like our super niche podcast, Mike, you're, you know, this like vortex that is you. Like if somebody is attracted to you, whether through like, you know, whether they know it or not, they run into you. Right. I, I mean, attracted like magnetically, like you too, you know, trust me. I, I, I know <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Experience being well, but my point is, is there's a reason people found this podcast, just like there should be a reason someone found you, had them f- the means to buy a starboard and the want and the interest. Like it's a special 
it's a sacred thing. If you were to like make it available on the internet, it would be sort of cheapening it. You were one hundred percent like that. Like I post when I see it, like unfolding. I'm like, of course. How else would like how else would I want to do it based upon um, my value system? Like how I want to meet how I want to meet uh, the world, uh, but plan that way. And just to be able to like it, it goes hand in glove with purchasing likeness goes hand in glove with the overall um, like surrender to like the freaking mystery. Like, all right, I'm going to make it as difficult as possible. But if you are one of those people who, who, who happens to be across from me and like, you know, just as, as an interest means and, and so forth to purchase it, like the, the likelihood that this chance would occur is you know, the probabilities are are minuscule so then the flip side you can lean into with a greater de- degree of con uh, of confidence which is um like yeah this is this is like destined shit or this is this is like you know i was pulled in there's something there's mm. there's a force outside of like you know um the normal workings of how the construct goes like there's there, it's bigger than that like the, the even finding it and buying this is that in itself is an experience or at least that's yeah. that's how it's it's being formed up in my mind yeah absolutely this fits in perfectly with what i wanted to talk about or something that i had prepared to tell you about all right well let me say one last thing and then we'll Go move ahead. into that so the the places that I have scheduled right now, I only got um, I've only got two places lined up. I'm going to go down actually to South Carolina for a couple of days, and I'm going to stay like I'm going to stay at this this um, like Rasta Elder's house, and uh, everyone's going to be meeting. Ross Ben will be there as well, and we'll be crafting like wire wrapping, like all of the different art forms that we do. They. Uh, they do. They support themselves through vending. I'll be doing other things there, but like I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna start there, and then I work my way through Florida. And I have two, two places already booked in Florida, and they're both in West Palm Beach. Mm. And I'm trying to. What What is the name? Like, does is it a hotel or is it just like a residence? The where Donald Trump lives in in. Um, in West Palm Beach, like it's Margot de oh, la Soul or something. Uh, Mara Largo is what I. Whatever heard. that is, yeah. Whatever that is, like, like the, it, I want to see. <laughs> well, you can go. In there. You can, yeah. You can. I'm almost certain that because a comedian yeah. that I follow went there, and I'm almost certain that it's a hotel golf course. So you could just book yourself a room oh, there. Yeah. And and the funny the funniest part about this comedian's experience there, uh, he said that Donald Trump, uh, he controls the music throughout the building, so it's like it's like his iPod plugged in, you know, to the whole speaker system, and he's just like playing like YMCA and like all like just like the hits, you know, like. I don't know why that's so funny to me, but Donald Trump's playlist sounds like just classic. <laughs> uh, uh, this is—I'll see if I can. 
<laughs> That's so funny. I'll, I'll see what I can do. You know, my, uh-huh. my nephew was a, was one of his White House interns. I didn't know that. <laughs> what? So, seriously, we, I've never told you this story before? No, I no, not at all. No, that's very interesting. So, so your, your my, nephew. My sister's son. Okay. So I'm going to go see my sister in West Palm Beach. Or not West Palm Beach, in St. Petersburg. And her son, this is, you know, uh, back when, whenever it was, I guess that would be 2016 through 20, 2020. That was when, that was, that was when uh, the, the Trump administration. Um, so there was actually even controversy. I don't know if you remember this. There was a, for like a, a week or two, the controversy was at the White House annual interns picture that one of the interns was flashing a, 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 a white power or white pride hand sign. Do you remember this story? No, but was that your nephew? <laughs> No, but my nephew's standing next to him. So like there are all these pictures <laughs> of this guy like like flashing this this like, you know, the supposed oh like white power gosh. sign and it's like circled in the like, cover of like all these magazines and like right next to him, I'm like, that's my motherfucking aunt, my my cousin. <laughs> wow. Or my my nephew, excuse me, my, not my cousin. Oh my gosh. You kinda like Forrest Gump in some ways, Mike. <sighs> I I've <sighs> I've, I've, I've thought that myself or, or maybe not so much like the that, archetype. but I've certainly thought of like, what is Forrest Gump really about? Like the, the archetype Gump- of being in all every, like that where's Waldo archetype is the better. No, you know, right. Forrest Gump as opposed more. to like a mentally, a mentally challenged. Yeah. I'm not calling <laughs> you a mentally challenged Vietnam vet. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, is there, is is there a, a a delay? There's a little bit of a delay. I I stepped outside. Oh, okay, that's all right. So maybe that maybe that's it. No, it was it was worse before when you're. I think you must have been walking through the house. It probably got worse, but uh, now you sound fine. Well, it's it it is a certain. There's a certain. Where's Waldo? There's a better word than Forrest Gump or Where's Waldo? But that's what people. I've heard people say that about somebody like, oh, you're like Forrest Gump, like somebody who has a bunch of stories of being in the right place at the right time or meeting a famous person or being at a, a, you know, a momentous event, that type of archetype. There's something to that. I, I think certain people are attracted to that, like the, the key timeline you know because there are multiple timelines running concurrently but one of them is kind of like the key like the king all right i want to dig into this because because you're you're i think you're on to something something which i've kind of like thought about in the past and it's like what the fuck is where's waldo what is like like that was a i don't know if it's still a thing like i don't know if the guy still puts out books but he put out like maybe like seven books and I know this because I had children and this was like a big, this was like a big part of our lives for like four or five years. And I, it's like, it's like what you're saying, like Waldo's a time traveler and you're looking for these certain things. There's a fucking wizard. There's a shadow. There's a, you know, do you, do you understand like how 
how there's there's you're you're indicating there's more than one character it's not just characters but it's characters and the same sort of um objects that you're supposed to find in each one of these uh, yeah. really intricate um and so you've got like if you look at it like archetypically like it's kind of wild because you got the wizard you got waldo and then you got a shadow which is odd wall which is waldo spelled backwards in different colors right Oh yeah, it's all they're all like mix uh what's the word for that when you mix flip a word around uh anagrams, is that it? They're all anagrams. Well, it's not so even so much word. an anagram. That would be what the letters would be mixed up like it's like a it's a mirror of it. That's why uh-huh. it's the shadow and that's why his colors are different but he's dressed the same. And and like you're saying like you're looking for the key. You're looking for a bone. You're looking for uh what else are you looking for? There's a dog tail um, glasses. There might be something else. There may be a book even. I think there were... Yeah, there's Wally, Wilma, Wenda, Oddlaw, Woof, Wizard, White Beer, the Wally Watchers. Hold on, so what... Who were... There, it was Wendy. These are the characters. So Wendy was the, was the female version of Waldo. So she was his... Um, no, like no, no, no. Wilma... And then Wenda. Wenda. So Wenda is the one who looks like it. And then Wilma is kind of like Velma. Mm. Right? Like in terms of archetype, how, am I correct? Like, is she kind of nerdy looking? Yeah, I think they, they don't have the images here. They just have the names, but, uh, but yeah. I'm pretty certain if you, if you were to go look, um, at, at the image. So, so we're touching into like Scooby-Doo archetype, but also what, what, what seems to, Tell me if you know this this line of children's books. It's called the Magic Treehouse series. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Every, I, I think I I think I read like every single one when I was a kid. Like I had, of course, I had them all. Like uh, the pirate one, the jungle one, the train one. I mean, every theme these kids got into all sorts of stuff. And so they were time travelers, right? And, and like, like they had the book, right? Jeez. It was a brother and a sister. I hadn't even thought of any of that in so long. Yeah, for sure. I mean, right. And that typically is around the same age as where's Waldo. So mm. where's Waldo is purely visible and, and a book is purely mental. I mean, I guess vis- visual is also mental, but it's like the pictures are created in your mind more or less. Right. And so just thinking about that in terms of, <clears throat> I mean, we could look at it from, I mean, the, the truth of the matter is like it, it exists, but like, you know, that, that was very um, strongly placed into the consciousness of, I'd be curious to see the years when they probably first came out. I bet you they were first introduced in the late 80s would be my guess. The Where's Waldo books? They came the Where's out. Waldo and, oh, and the Magic the, uh, Treehouse? Magic Treehouse. I would say both of them, if I were to guess. Magic Treehouse might be a little bit later. Maybe they've been not late 90s. Huh. But my guess is probably uh, late 80s to late 90s is when it was introduced into the consciousness um, at the same time right. yeah, as the like, 80s. really... What, what, when did Waldo... The first, the first Magic Treehouse book was printed in 1992, but it was written and thought of in the 80s. And then the first Where's Waldo 
book came out in the 90s, 19... Oh, no, that's the... Yeah, the 80s it came out. The books came out. What what part of the 80s? Let's see. 1986. So 1986 was the first one, and then the last one probably came out. So that so the first Magic Treehouse came out in 92, so it's the same time period, you know. Right. Um, and the, the Where's and Waldo TV show came out in 1991, so. I had no freaking idea there was a TV show. Yep, yep, Where's Wally? Because it's a British, the... They only call it Where's Waldo in America. It's a British uh, like thing. And in Britain, Fuck. they call it Where's Wally. <laughs> <laughs> so if you look and up... I had no idea. So now we got like office symbology. Right. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, right? the Wally kind of does look a little bit like Dwight, not to just like totally... You know, be uh, well, I, I, was just, I was just talking about like first the British one, and then you have like the American version. Like you know, a lot of times like yeah. the, the biggest, um, <laughs> like that American Idol was the same way. Like I, whatever it was. No, I, I know what you mean. But but that's a modus operandi of introducing um, key uh, uh, cultural programming, like the 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 bit. Often you'll see like the the highest tier, the best quality. Um, originates first or is introduced within Britain, and then it it is slightly modified and then comes to America. Mm. And this is like Tavistock stuff, right? Right. Like it begin like 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 that would be the the um, the 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 beginning point, if you will, of of the introduction um, of these ideas, and so. What, so where, what I'm thinking about this is like I, to me, I think there's some. I think there's a there there, right? Like you mm. know, uh, time travel or whatever that sort of stuff is. Um, I don't try. I don't take it. I don't put that much of my energy into jumping all the way to like how do I time travel? As much as I'm like, well, what are the steps that move me towards towards time travel? Mm. Um, and you know, I think that's a thing. I think that, you know, within this realm, like the possibilities of what is capable, once we understand, you know, the skill set of how we, of how, how this realm works and then how we interact with the natural forces of it, like, you know, the, the capabilities are, um, are literally beyond the imagination. I guess, uh, or I guess that would be in the imagination if they've already shown it to us in a subliminal way of time travel with Waldo. Um, but that be where I want to go with all of this is these ideas are introduced in the same the same um, generation which got friggin' hammered with Columbine and then nine eleven, right? So like that was a that was a huge. I mean, and then the, all the ADHD medication and all of that sort of stuff. Like this is like the same time, the same generations, like this is, you know, being introduced into, into the, 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 um, you know, the collective mind of that generation. Also, this is when all the, uh, you know, the big jump in required vaccines, like went from something like, you know, really in the eighties and nineties, but when it went from like, you know, seven vaccines to 38 vaccines or whatever it is now, um, which is recommended, but like all of this is it, um, you can't just have one without the other is what I'm getting at. 
it's like, you know, if there's this much, uh, which we're very aware of, of the, of the squeeze of the pressure that was placed upon that generation, there had to have been also, um, just because this is the way it works, um, that counterbalance of like, well, I'm also going to give you, I'm going to open up a window. I'm going to also um, prepare you for something else. So that's, that, that's kind of what, what, how all of that lays out in my mind. And I would also include, and I'll wrap it all back up, um, what is at least a higher probability if, um, if you're a child who really liked the Magic Treehouse um, series, it's very possible that as you get older, because um, it would be the age appropriate, probably a couple of years after you've outgrown the Magic Treehouse, is when you get into the Alchemist book series. Not the Alchemist with uh, Paulo Coelho, but the Alchemist. Uh, there's a, I think it's five, five books which tell the story of these time traveling twins, and they're fantastic. Like I mean, what what what's written in the books and it's probably appropriate for like 11 to 13. Um, it's the author is an Irishman by the name of Michael Scott. <laughs> I always love that. In the book, what do you, the author of the book series so is named Michael Scott? Of the alchemist, the, of the uh, immortal Nicholas Flamel. Oh, okay. So, are you in front of your computer? Oh, yeah. No, I'm. I'm. I'm yes. Yeah, so, so are up. you looking at the the books the book series right now? Oh yeah. No, I'm seeing it, Mister Scott. You're right, Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Alchemist with a Y. I see. Okay, with a Y. Well, so those books, like when I first read those uh, to my to to my boys, yeah, like, I think you're... I'm as fascinated. I've talked about this many times because it's had that big, it had that big of an impact. Well, you showed like, them, like, you showed crackers. them to me when I ver first visited. I think that's that's why I I looked at when I looked at them. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, I've seen this, but it was at your house where I saw these. Yeah, those. Um, but but again, it's the same sort of themes, and it is the um, it almost um, like it's a a potential at least natural um shoot for consciousness like you know you're exposed to this at age five and six and this from like uh seven to ten and then these books from like 13 and 11 the same way viacom um around the same time period owned the minds or at least fought for the minds of consciousness and of, of of youth at that time of owning nickelodeon mtv and vh vh1 like that's a continuation of being able to control the same, you know, the, the, mm. the maturation of the viewer. Like I got them when they're like Nickelodeon appropriate and then the move to like watching all the MTV shows. And then, you know, the, the VH one is kind of an overlap. They're all owned by the same parent company. Right. So, you know, the, that's a shoot. Like that's the way which, which, which media works. Like, you know, that's the strategic plan of keeping viewers for life. Like all of that's gone now because of like um, uh, Netflix and, and all of the, the, the on demand program. So like, I'm just describing how it used to be done, 
yeah. books may still work that way, but but it's a whole new world um, that that changed everything with how programming works now. Uh, like it's or it's completely different now um, than how it once was. Right. Well, back to where's Waldo? There's okay. supposed to okay. be a Nickelodeon movie. It was planned to be filmed in 2005. Uh, and it got canceled due to management. Live action? Yeah, I guess so, uh, for Nickelodeon. <laughs> so where's Waldo? One thing I didn't realize is that it, it, it is explicitly a time traveler. Like that's what um, the author came up with, Wally, a world traveler and time travel aficionado who always dresses in red and white. Uh, that was interesting. And then the other thing that I thought was interesting to point out is that his first career move as an artist, the guy who created Where's Waldo, he created an album cover for uh, a band called The Vapors in 1981. And the cover features an assassination scene which forms the shape of an eye. So, I mean, to hold, to hold go on, from see if I he the 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 guy who does where, where's Waldo who's a who's a visual artist his like, first obviously his first his, artistic job was for a punk band in England called the Vapors called the Vapors okay and the the album cover that he drew for them is an assassination scene which forms the shape of an eye. Who's being assassinated? How are they being assassinated? Can you see it? So, okay, so you're you're familiar with Martin Hanford's style, like the Where's Waldo? That art style is called yeah, it's called Wimmel Builder Book, and it's that's a if you couldn't tell, that's a Dutch or German word. Uh, it means hidden picture book, right? And that's like the most popular, most f- famous artist with this style is Euronymous Bosch with his triptych, right? You've seen the Euronymous Bosch paintings and they're all in this Wimmel Builder Book style. I've always, actually, it's weird because I was, I, I used, don't know if I know the, I, I, this, this stuff's brand new to me. I'm fascinated. What time period is, is this, this, uh, the guy who is best known for it? Like when, when, you've when you've never did heard his, of Euronymous Bosch? I don't think so. Okay, no. I think you, like you must the, have the seen. You must have seen it. Your connection is getting a little choppy. I don't know if you moved to a different part of the building or not. But uh, so, Euronymous Bosch, if you could still hear me, his most famous work is called "The Garden of Earthly Delights," um, and he was born in the 1400s. He died in 1516. So he's, he's a medieval, he's a medieval artist. And, and that, that style of Himmel builder book is, um, I, I thought it was like, you know, the other day I was trying to create something with it. Will you tell me the old again? I just put up the computer. I want to see this with my own eyes. This is all pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's Hieronymus, so you spell that H-I-E-R-O-N-Y-M-U-S. 
All right. I got him. Are you serious? So I first saw these. I first saw his work in the book that I always talk about, The Secret History of the World by Mark Booth. So I got introduced to him pretty early into my like journey of like learning about alchemy and, and esoteric stuff. So forgive me for like assuming that everybody should know this guy because it is very obscure stuff. But yeah, he's famous for making these like really psychedelic, trippy depictions of uh, biblical scenes. And as you can see, obviously, you're looking at your computer. Uh, it's great. I mean, it's really incredible to think this guy was alive in the 1400s making this. <laughs> yeah. So so go on with uh, um the connection to Martin. Uh yeah, like go where you where keep, keep on going down that line. So Martin Hanford created that album cover I was describing, and you asked me how does how does it depict an assassination scene. And he's using that Wimmel, Wimmel Bunder book style, the hidden picture book style. And it's basically like a, a large crowd of people running towards, or yeah, running towards the center. And just the way that the people's clothes are colored and the, the vantage point, bird's eye view sort of scoped away so people are very small. You get like this shape of an eye. It's hard to tell that there's an assassination going on. I, I mean, I, maybe this is implied uh, based on something that had happened that year or something when this came out in the 80s, but it, it's it's like it looks very similar to what he went on to draw in uh, Where's Waldo, like his style for this album cover. And it, I think that was a popular way of like drawing around that time. I mean, it got put into a lot of children's books and I'm sure that it became not as cool for punk rock bands to use that style after it became associated with children's books. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of interesting to see that as his first artistic venture. Uh, and then he goes into making this world traveler, time traveler character for children, you know, um, and then, yeah, I don't know. The, the weird thing is the other day I was trying to figure out what, how to describe this style of art. And the only way I could think to describe it was Hieronymus Bosch. And it was only just now, just here looking at Where's Waldo, that I found this word Wimmel Builder Book. So I'm, I'm learning new stuff too, Mike. <clears throat> um, said another way that this this uh, this conversation answered the question you posed to yourself a couple of days ago. Exactly. So, um, like, uh, I'm looking. I did a quick search on um, how do I pronounce his name? Whatever his first name is. Hieronymus. Bosch. Hieronymus. Hieronymus Bosch and Rosicrucian. Ooh. And there are a bunch of hits because he's from yeah. Germany around the same sort of time. So, right. and, and I'm, I'm just looking at this one article on medium.com. I think that's like a, like an online magazine that says his being Bosch 
His work has been examined in light of alchemical and Rosicrucian traditions, yet these esoteric schools are not in and of themselves sufficient to really understand Bosch's message. Um, Bosch has been put through many schools of astrological thought, um, blah, blah, blah. So I guess the, the point, the only thing I want to po- point out is, is that, you know, whether Rosicrucian or not, like this, this idea of his work being of some sort of deeper, having some sort of deeper esoteric significance. I mean, that, that has been, uh, that question has been asked by, by many people, you know, before you and I have in this conversation, um, which goes to, um, my general thought of, of these books being part of like, whatever the hell the Rosicrucians are, like, this is how they're supposed to work. You know, they, they, they dress and act and talk in the language, um, and style of the times. Mm. and particularly like you know in light of the more contemporary children's stuff we're talking about like uh, <laughs> uh i'm even more convinced now that there's a, there's a there there somewhere in these works and information and you know another theme which we've discussed many times in the past which is like you know the true nature of secret societies and so forth and, you know, to me, in the most general sense, uh, it's, it's to explain uh, or provide greater insight into the workings of the realm in order for um, people to learn uh, the nature of how this game is played. This game being alive, tied to a body. Um, with solid ground beneath the feet and sky overhead and never told like why you're here, how you got here, what you're supposed to do. Hmm. Because you're a time traveler. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so what is what, what is, where is Waldo, where is Waldo do? Like it teaches, like if you go through that, it trains and creates neural pathways, particularly in the young, in the young minded viewer of like being really, really focused on being able to find like needles in haystacks. Hmm. At the very least, that's a truth. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at one of these uh, Wimmel Builder Book paintings right now, and, and it's there's a lot to look at. <laughs> it's a little distracting. Wally is um, sort of slang in England for an unfashionable person, which is interesting that it would be called Where's Wally? Maybe because he's dressed sort of queer, you know, with a red and white striped shirt. I don't know if that was a style in the 80s, but it could be like a nod to the Rosicrucian aspect of it, possibly, red and white. I don't know. It's a little bit of a stretch, but you're saying that Hieronymus Bosch is... Uh, connected to the Rosicrucians in some way, and and he's definitely next to Where's Waldo. They're probably the two most famous examples of uh, of this style of art. Um, and um, and it fits well. It, it certainly in in like very easily you can make the the um, conclusion that it fits 
that style of art fits the modus operandi, which is always accredited to um, how Rosicrucians um, present information through steganography, which is hiding hiding secret information in public works. And for the person who knows what to look for, um, all sorts of information is included within the visual pieces. So, I mean, there's so much that can be uh, that can be included in whether that be the Where's Waldo or the or the Bosch paintings, just like the style of having so much detail and so much going on, you can put really anything. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's really... <laughs> I mean, realistically, now that I'm thinking off the top of my head, if I were passing on information utilizing the medium of the medium of where's Waldo. So what, what's being done is you have a constant, which is spread across variables. So the constant is the same things you're supposed to look for the key, the bone, the white wizard, uh, Wenda, Wilma, and so forth. And then the variable is, is the, um, different historical scenes. Right. Right. Mm. So then if you go one step deeper, each one of those characters responds to a different archetype, let's say, or even is a key to something else. Like the white wizard, like let's just say it could, the white wizard represents something. And then my guess would be if I were to, if I were to want to go and, and pass on multiple messages within, within, you know, using the Waldo books as an example, um, whatever like the wizard is or whatever the, 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 the bone represents or so forth in every single one of the backdrops of the different pictures in different time zones. I bet you like <laughs> probably there's a, there's always going to be something like wherever the bone is like right next to that, like that is a key and all of the things that are next to the bone in all the different books, they somehow are part of whatever the bone, the bone message is about. Mm. Do you understand what I'm Do you understand the, the kind of like the logic which is being built, which I'm describing? Mm. For sure. So, so that what I'm describing, what I just said is, is utilizing, um, Rosicrucian type of modus operandi for sh sharing information. Like there's going to be a logic and there's going to be a consistency and there's going to be a key. They have a lot of keys, um, in their, in their, like a map, uh, like a legend on a map, right? The, even the, right. Even the, right. the, 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 <laughs> the art itself, it's like giving kids, uh, a, a map, of what their world looks like. Like this is where Waldo is. He's in the world. This is what the world looks like. It looks like a town, a beach, a ski slope, a campsite, a railway, an airport, a sports stadium, a museum. I'm not coming up with those off the top of my head. I'm reading the, the chapters of the first where's Waldo book, but like it's an international thing. Cause as we were saying before, they're conveying that logic visually so, I mean, they've sold those books, uh, you know, in like 30 different countries all over the world. So, yeah. Do they, are they different? So let me ask you this. 
visually does the where's Wally and where's Waldo look exactly the same? Like the, the artwork and the only difference is the naming or are they completely different visuals? Like in the same way that Michael Scott in the office is different than whatever the character's name of the, of the, what's his, uh, Ricky Gervaisis when he the only, the, the only thing that changes is the name. So they give a local language name. So, uh, you know, in, uh, in Danish, it's where's, uh, Hulgen. <laughs> Dutch is Wally. French is Charlie. <laughs> so yeah, there's different, it's different names for each edition, but it's the same picture. It's the same, it's the same visual content each time. They're just the word, the writing is different. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put any more of of my energy researching that. But I bet you, <laughs> if someone if someone were to go and pick up that thread, oh yeah, and really look into the different Where's Waldo books and see what the visual patterns are, I bet you there is there is there is some there's gold there's gold in them hills. Yeah, well, it's it's definitely fascinating to talk about i um i have another thread that i picked up yesterday uh while i was on uh the same show that you and peter had that exchange you mentioned at the beginning uh i was on roman and dan's show yesterday and they were talking about vampires and naturally they brought up the vampire of new orleans have you ever heard of the vampire of new orleans St. Germain. Right, right. So when we were, when they were talking about that, I, you know, I was like, well, how can I chime in? Because that it's the point of the show is everybody's kind of researching while they're on the show. You know, you're just at your computer looking stuff up, kind of like how I do here with you. And uh, I thought, oh, I learned about those Mardi Gras crews. I start looking into the, the Mardi Gras crew history do you know anything about mardi gras and the crews that run the parades at mardi gras Mm -mm. no i don't oh man this is i mean we could spend a whole episode talking about it so i'll keep it i'll keep it brief but it's so interesting mike i mean they're pretty much secret societies the way that they're organized um and some of them chose to opt out of the parade when there was like a political thing that went on and they said, oh, well, you have to publicize who your membership is because, you know, we want everybody to be, you know, fair towards every race and so on. And a couple of the crews were like, yeah, well, we're just not going to Mardi Gras. We'll do our own private thing. So they take it very seriously, these Mardi Gras secret societies. So the original four Mardi Gras cruise in new orleans and this started in mobile alabama it didn't start in new orleans the 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 practice of mardi gras it sort of got transplanted over to new orleans and now the new orleans one is more famous than the original one in mobile but i think they still do a mardi gras parade it's every it's between Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday, so like March, the beginning of March every year they do the Mardi Gras. And um, the Mystic Crew, uh, or I'm sorry, the, the first four crews of 
the New Orleans Mardi Gras are as such. The mystic crew of Comus, the Knights of Mamas, Rex, and then the crew of Proteus. So all of those are pretty uh, esoteric. And then it gets more obvious as you go down to some of the lesser important crews like the crew of Druids, the Knights of Babylon, the crew of King Arthur, the crew of Muses, the Knights of Chaos, the crew of Hermes, and on and on and on. So this is how they're themed. But um, what really struck me with this, and this is why I want to kind of do possibly like a video or a podcast about this whole topic, um, is in 2020... Right before, you know what happened in March, right? On the 15th of March. Because keep in mind, Mardi Gras is at the beginning of March. So they did the Mardi Gras parade right before COVID, okay? And Rex, the Rex Secret Society crew, they're sort of like the big shots in the original four Mardi Gras crews. And... They're sort of like a a byproduct of international elites. Like the first, I think it was a Grand Duke of Russia or something, came to one of the first Mardi Gras and they did this whole thing in honor of him. And ever since then, you know, only people of European ancestry, certain, you know, social status can be a part of this Mardi Gras crew. Uh, So anyways, in 2020, the theme for their parade, because each crew has their own section of the parade, and each parade each year has a different theme. Well, in 2020, right before COVID, their theme was omens and auguries. What's an augury? An augury is somebody who practices divination. So in, in... Ancient times, an augur was like a diviner or a seer. And the word president actually comes from the term uh, of like the presiding augur when they would do these ceremonies to divine God's will. And so, yeah, that's, this is what the theme was in 2020. So all that being said, long story short, people can expect to see something from me. Uh, in the future, uh, covering this in depth. That sounds like a deep dive for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think there's something to it with, uh, you know, the festivals and the ceremony of it. You know, everybody looks at the, the theme of like the Super Bowl and whatnot, but I think Mardi Gras is where they, got that concept going you know may might not be the origin of it but if we're going to talk about like america mardi gras has been going on way longer than the super bowl has been uh and do you know what the mummers parade in philadelphia no so that i think always happens on a on on the first of the year and it's not it's different than Mardi Gras and the and the different secret societies. Um, 
and but it's similar to that in terms of the different like I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination but when I first became aware when I first started thinking this way like the mummers the what you're describing with Mardi Gras and the and the parades like I've I've thought the same thing like I've the the same sort of realization came to me at some point but I applied it a little bit more locally to to um these these parade festivals secret societies um in philadelphia which you know the 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 mummers but but what i think what you were saying your point of the super bowl halftime show but it is predated by by what's been going on in in mardi gras i would say that you know it's it's more so uh we're we're beginning to see a continuity of Mm. a modus operandi of of festivals and 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 maybe clues to to there being something um deeper that occurs i mean it only would make sense for these um holy days or holidays exactly yeah no, there's there's definitely definitely something to it, and it all connects to Peter Shampoo's uh, city ley line, city ley line. I always mistake it with the Empire ley line, but it's the city ley line, which is the one that goes from Boston to Mexico City. And yeah, I'm thinking I've been thinking a lot about that lately. But I know we got to wrap this one up. Do you know, Mike, in, this is your handbook for the apocalypse, right? So we got to, every now and then, we got to give people uh, some pro tips on how to live the gypsy lifestyle, don't you think? Uh, in my opinion, that's what exactly all of this is about. Um, talking, if you're paying attention, and that's a great point, but, uh, and that's, that's never a, a miss in my, from my perspective when we have these conversations is because what this is ultimately the handbook to the apocalypse is not like it's not a survival guide per se that way it's a survival guide guide to understanding of how you move consciousness out of the um out of the system which is that's what collapses in the apocalypse is once this system collapses and they try to build a new one Mm. so i would say very much the uh to listen back to the first half of this episode where I was describing the modus operandi of of why I was I delivered the speech in the way that I did because I was talking about expansion of consciousness as it relates to like let's say a mainstream normal mind why I would say for all of us who've yet to get to the point where you can time travel and do something which is seemingly outside of the possibility of the human form, that means that there's more expansion that needs to be done. So that right there would be a clue. Like looking at the 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 models of how consciousness works and goes from one level to another, well then that also would refer to all of us as we're moving through to the next level or at least potentially for that and i'd also say that the 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 wally books and that whole conversation whether applied directly to um to that book or more so just uh, uh, a demonstration of how 
information is is available to us at all times from from so many different sources and that too is going to be another um you know pro tip if you will in terms of surviving the apocalypse because the apocalypse has to do with the construct or the false reality system and our entire indoctrination program has prepared everyone for how to thrive in the co- in the construct. But when it collapses, you know, that it doesn't matter if you know how to thrive within it. What you want to be able to do is be able to thrive in the realm. And so what we're ultimately talking about here, and particularly in episode like today, I'm really pleased with where we went. It is a these are demonstrations. These are demonstrations to see like, okay, that's a, that's a way of perception or of thinking or to meeting reality. That's the handbook. That is how you move through into from one, from one version of reality to another and have, um, have an awareness and continuity in action. Mm. Well, that blows my pro tip way out of the water. I'm, <laughs> I don't even want to bring it up now. <laughs> What's your pro tip? You got to tell us your pro tip because because you want to go and counterbalance. So, I was just sharing my perspective of what I bring, and so, like, what do you bring? Oh yeah, I know. Tip? I and I, I feel bad because I wasn't asking you for that, but I don't regret asking you because that was a great explanation of what we do on this show. But I, I think. We could also have a more um, precise tip, like, you know, even though the whole show is like wisdom and is informative in that way, this this tip that I have is more precise. It's, it's more like something me, that you can... Me. Okay, <laughs> so have you ever seen how much money people make off pumpkins each year? Maybe. No, no, I have no, I have no idea how much money people make off pumpkins. It's incredible, Mike. And it's something that is so easy. I mean, pumpkins, you might need, you might need space in your, your house or, or your, not your house, but your property to grow the pumpkins. Or like a forklift to lift the huge <laughs> bin which you have where you collected all of your pumpkins. I'm telling you, if everybody a forklift, if everybody and a plot of land, everybody had a patch in their yard growing pumpkins, they would save so much money. This is a pro tip for anyone listening who's got a little <laughs> land. For all of our listeners who love ho- holiday and seasonal decorations and you're tired of the outrageous prices at the ho- Hobby Lobby, our pro tip is grow your own. No, I'm telling people to make a business out of it and see how much money they make just in one, just in one uh, week selling pumpkins. I mean... It's crazy for All right, very go, minimal work. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. How many weeks a year do you get to sell your pumpkins? 
Just two. I mean, really, it's really just, just two. two. So really, this is like a two-week pro tip. Like this is a pro tip which we apply. Where we plan for a couple of weeks before, and then two weeks are where you where we reap our our reward. We kind of missed the mark for this year for everyone listening. But for everyone listening next year, next year you have to start <laughs> your pumpkin entrepreneurial program now. Right. Well, that's true. You do need to plant the seeds in spring, so you should be thinking about it now. But that's my that's what I had prepared for the show. Oh, you know what? That that's a good one. Uh, and we might have to talk about this either off air or record again because I forgot to tell you that I went to Pennsylvania's Stonehenge this past week. Oh my gosh! I had something to talk about stones too. Yes, let's. Are you familiar with Pennsylvania's Stonehenge? I think you sent me something about this before. But, did did uh, I send you any pictures of my trip? I sent them to some people. I thought I sent no, it to you. No, you didn't send me any pictures recently, but we have talked about this. I think you mentioned it when I first started talking about Stone Rose. I had no stuff. idea what it was until I went there. And so um, I would... What? Uh, give you strange noises at the door. And you're like, what could that be? Oh, it was a cat. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> So I so we'll talk about the the Pennsylvania Stonehenge next time because there's there's uh, I would like to hear your thoughts and I yeah. think you'd love to go there. Yeah, for sure. I showed you the the birdstone Tara and I found. We talked about that last time, right? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we and we found some more stuff since. So a stone circle, not not a henge, but a stone circle. Um, all right, Mike. Cool. Let's plan for right, that brother. sooner than later. All right. Have well, a- another another enjoyable conversation. And what in, about what about the, for uh, for anybody? What about for anybody who may be down in the southeast portion of All right, the country? So any may- Florida folks, like yeah, they could they could if if this is timely. If you've heard this, like when it, what are we recording this? This is first week of November of the calendar year of twenty twenty two. Uh, yeah, I'll be down in, um, excuse me, um, in Florida for the second half of, of, um, November of November. So either, um, if you got a place where I can set up for a couple hours, that would be cool to reach out. Or otherwise, if you want to get more information on like where I'm going to be and when, like, you know, also you could hit me up on just email on mkwancomcast.net. Right on MK. Juan, W-A-N-N, at Comcast.net. Yes. Hit him up. Find him if you want to start. Not MKUltra. Not MKUltra. Not MKUltra. Find find Mike Juan and get yourself a starboard, folks. This is not something that you're ever going to see on Amazon. So, uh, you know, find it now. Anyways, Mike, awesome episode. Thanks, brother. I think one day we got to make... Uh, where's Waldo book series with your uh, character before who is based upon where's Waldo that's why he's got the striped shirt on and I'm actually wearing that thermal right now as we're recording really yeah look at that <laughs> like I'm wearing it right now I'll send you a picture well before I said uh, I said that where's Waldo dresses queer and I take that back he does not dress queer uh that was, I meant to say strange. Queer is the wrong word. 
It's, that's an old school word. I shouldn't speak like that anymore. Anyways, Mike, you look great. I'm sure I can't see you right now, but we got to do that. We <laughs> we got to make a book series with uh, you in a uh, Wimmel Bunderbook uh, scene. Word of the day, Wimmel Bunderbook. Anyways, Mike, you got to go. I'll let you go. <laughs> Have a good one. All right, Mark. Until the next time. Peace.